Hi, and welcome to Conversations to Connect. I'm Fenella Hawksley, and this podcast is brought to you in collaboration with the Campaign to End Loneliness. Social isolation and loneliness are widespread and can have a huge impact on health, happiness, and overall well-being. All people of all ages need connections that matter, and on this podcast, we will be hosting conversations to share insights, knowledge, and research to inspire change and to help people feel more connected. On today's episode, I'm joined by Hannah Campbell and G. Bansell, the founders of 112, a creative agency that works with fashion, music and brand partnerships in the UK. Hannah and G. founded 112 with an important mission. As black and brown female founders, they have a vision to ensure marketing is more inclusive and representative of various people's lifestyles and cultures. They aim to ensure that future generations of all backgrounds see themselves and their stories represented authentically. Having both experienced loneliness and marginalisation in the workplace, they know firsthand the importance of creating safe, inclusive and diverse communities where everyone can feel like they belong. Thank you, G and Hannah, so much for joining me. Thanks for having us. How are you both today? Yeah, we're good. Yeah. I'm hot. I'm feeling quite hot? hot, yeah. Because I walked up and there was like, a I... fly like on my lip gloss, a fly coming into my eye, it's all <laughs> happening. Had a lot, a lot happening, a lot happening yeah. Yeah, I, I feel I was actually pretty cold to be fair. <laughs> oh yeah, I know it's May, but it's yeah because it, the weather's just. I don't, why do we always talk about the weather when it comes yeah. to like, me and Hannah were talking about it? So we were like, I didn't. Oh, it's it's hard to know what to wear as well. Yeah. Like, so, yeah, you both look great. Thank you. Oh, thank <laughs> you. You too. So I wanted to talk to you first of all, Hannah, about your experience before work. So mm-hmm. when you first went to university, because I know that you were the first in your family to go to university. Yeah. So what was that like for you? Yeah, so being the first to go to uni was um, challenging because I was making decisions by myself about everything. And I mean absolutely everything. Mm -hmm. So what you need to go to, what to study, where to live, like accommodation wise, what do you do? Do you stay in halls? Do you rent a private? Like I I knew nothing. Mm. And my family didn't, nobody had ever been to uni from my family, even extended family. Mm -hmm. So I was like the first. So I had to kind of muddle through and work it out. Um, so that, that, speaking about loneliness, was a bit of a kind of lonely experience because a lot of my friends, they had been, um, you know, their parents had been to university mm-hmm. or sisters or brothers and that kind of thing. So they kind of knew what to do, what to expect. Um, but I didn't. So it was, yeah, it was strange. And I know you said that, that there's kind of uh, adultification yeah. of yeah, young yeah. black women. I think so. I think of young black men as well. I think, I mean, that speaks to wider issues around like police bruta- brutality of, of young children and, and black children that kind of thing because I do think there's an um adult adultification mm-hmm. of young um of young black people but I think it's it's twofold right so I think it is sometimes in the home and this is probably for ad- other ethnicities as well not just black people mm-hmm. but I can speak from my own experiences sometimes in the home if you are the first in your family to do certain things you have to grow up quickly mm-hmm. um and I found myself growing up quickly because in you're a lot of circumstances. leading yeah. your parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And they wouldn't... I was the kind of adult decision maker for a lot of things yeah. that they just didn't have a clue about. Mm-hmm. So um, there's that side of things. And then obviously socially as well, I think um, sometimes... Did, oh, sorry. Did they grow up in the UK? Yeah. So my mum was born here, mm-hmm. um, first generation. And then my dad was born in Jamaica, but came when he was like nine. Mm-hmm. So they pretty much did grow up here. 
But they, and when I speak to them about things like uni, my dad is the most intelligent person I've ever met, by the way. But he, they were just like, oh, we were just never given the option. We didn't know it was a thing. We just stopped, uh, we finished yeah. school at 16 and then just get on with, get on with it. So there was a lack of knowledge mm-hmm. that wasn't for, you know, like a lack of um, ability. It was just they didn't know that was an option mm-hmm. kind of thing. So, yeah, that was that. So how was that choosing what university go to, to go to, even being at university? Because it's a difficult oh, time. First yeah. year is difficult for yeah. m- most people, but not having anyone that you can share yeah. that, that experience with in your family. Yeah. How was that? Um, I mean, it was, it was very challenging. I'm saying that word a lot, but it, it was. Um, I think going to, So I ended up coming back to London... I went to university in Birmingham and I, pre- I came back pretty much every weekend because I didn't know how I didn't I didn't know how to kind of even not make friends but just kind of do this university life I just mm-hmm. didn't understand it and my roots were at home mm-hmm. so I would study Monday through to Friday after my last lesson have my suitcase packed and jump in the car oh. or on the train and go come back down to London and then and then travel back on Monday morning that's how much I kind of didn't yeah, enjoy the university Sunday, experience. So, for three years? No, when I dropped out. Oh. So I dropped out um, in the second year. But I think it is because of loneliness. Because yeah. there was a lack of... So firstly, it was two things. My parents couldn't afford to support me. And my degree was uh, law and French. It was a very, very like heavy degree. Um, so And we weren't allowed to work more than like 10 hours. That was the yeah. rules of the degree. We weren't, but I couldn't make... I just couldn't pay for my rent, food, everything. Um, and the stress was just becoming too much. And so I made a decision to move back to London and study in London. So I took like a year or so out and then studied in London. But I think that's all part of, mm-hmm. it's all part of the same yeah. story, yeah. right? It's all part of the same thing. I think if my parents were better equipped to have supported me at uni, not their fault, but I think that where other people's parents could have supported them because they knew their child was going and that was what was happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, I just, I, had, I was leading it so much that they just didn't have a clue what was going on. Yeah, it's relying on you to like have all the information yeah. and tell them yeah. what and you're going to be doing. Like, and you I, don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how to like manage cash flow. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I mean, like yeah. That. I just don't <laughs> and know. And you never taught that in no, school. Well, this is the thing. <laughs> so, this is the thing. And, and G for you, it was different because I know you said that in their Asian community, mm-hmm. there's quite a push to follow like an, yeah. an academic route and yeah. you wanted to do something creative. Mm-hmm. I think like yeah I feel like in an Asian like household like you're taught to like do something that's gonna like be like you're gonna be successful in so it's like tends to be like accounting doctors like law stuff like that but I didn't really like any of that but then again because me and my sister were the first ones doing A-levels even like within our family like I, I went for things like business I always wanted to do but I did stuff like English lit history and psychology I would never have done English lit and history if like, I thought about it now because that's not me. I would have done something more creative. But because my, like, my parents were like, oh, I think you should do, like, I think it's good to have, like, you know, English and stuff like that. But really, like, it wasn't a bit of me. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's just, like, now knowing that, like, I would, I would like, tell my little cousins, like, make sure you do something you want to do. Like, even at uni, I probably would have done something more creative, like, graphic design. But because I'd be the first one in, like, my whole wider family to do something like that, I feel like it wasn't, like, the proper thing to do or, like, mm-hmm. a right thing to do. Like, it's, like, a waste of money to do, like, a a course like that where you can just do that on the side um so yeah i feel like there's pressure there was pressure to like yeah follow like what's always been done mm-hmm. yeah so what did you both study law. i did law and french mm-hmm. and then when i dropped out i then did french and german mm-hmm. and that was my degree and then i did a law conversion course afterwards mm-hmm. yeah, so mine's, yeah mine's <laughs> more simple than that it's just business studies and marketing mm-hmm. yeah so then how did you start working in more creative roles, Hannah? 
my career journey is if you've yeah. got all day you've got all day <laughs> I can I can go I'll, I'll, I'll make it I'll make it as succinct as possible when I dropped out of uni I started my own business mm-hmm. it was a fashion events business mm-hmm. it was great it was doing so well once again first to first to my family mm-hmm. cash flow didn't know what I was doing an investor loved my business and said right I'm going to invest mm-hmm. but he was like I'm going to invest it's going to come but you can spend money I'm going to invest so I put on this big show at Bush Hall in Shepherd's Bush had all these big brands down, all these models and all this kind of stuff. Wow, uh, yeah. so young. <laughs> yeah, that is... I don't know, just naivety is a great thing. Yeah, right? it's true. Um, so yeah, so did this big show and then afterwards, like the lighting company needed paying like three grand mm. and I couldn't afford it and the investor dropped out. So this is the start oh, of my man. career. So I um, I decided, I said to myself, okay, what can I do to make money really quickly? Mm-hmm. I can go into sales. And so my career started in sales. I mm-hmm. worked for an estate agent. Actually, in um, like South London, in like Brixton, that kind of area, mm-hmm. and then um, so I was a state agent, and then I moved more into like um, corporate sales. So I worked in kind of like fintech, and I slowly made my way across to marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually came into marketing from being a sales professional, and then kind of like being involved in the pitches, being involved in the creative elements mm-hmm. of things, and then kind of just going into marketing that way. But it's been quite a journey. <laughs> <laughs> What about you? I feel like mine again, it was like more like straightforward. It was just like I I didn't really know what I wanted to do after uni. And then I just I saw like an internship, a marketing internship. So I was like, okay, cool, like let me do that. It's at an agency. That was for like three months. And then I I again didn't really know what I wanted to do. And then like I found this role and it was like, Oh, are you inquisitive? Like, do you like like looking into stuff? Are you always asking questions? I was like, Yeah, that's actually Mm. me. And then I applied for that and then that was like in a marketing agency and then literally from there I've just been in agencies. Mm-hmm. And then we set up our own agency. So yeah, yeah, mine's always actually been in like, in like marketing and media, but it was more like insight and strategy. So it mm-hmm. was like more like numbers and data focus rather than like being like the creative side of it mm-hmm. still. Yeah. So I wanted to talk to you both about workplace belonging. Yeah. Because I know that this is something that both of you discussed mm-hmm. being an issue and being yeah. marginalised at work. So mm-hmm. gee, I know you had an experience mm-hmm. at a company yeah. in the UK yeah, yeah. where you felt like, you didn't you didn't belong can Mm -hmm. you speak a bit about that and how that made you feel and why that culture or what it was in that culture that made you feel Mm -hmm. that way so before I started I was so excited I was like oh my gosh like my friend worked there she was like oh gee like there's this job like you know you should work here so got through blah 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 and then joined the team and the team was so nice I was like oh my gosh I feel so lucky it was like so nice it was probably like I think there was like five of us but we got on so well and then one by one, they were all like, oh, I'm leaving. And then the other one was like, I'm leaving. And then my line manager was like, I'm leaving. And I was like, okay, cool, wow. And so then it was just me and the head of the team who was never used to sit with us. So from then, I was like starting to get a bit stressed out. Like, I've just started a new job. All these people are leaving, so does that mean I'm going to have to be doing everything? So already now, I'm starting to feel like, hmm. And then um, the head of the team, like I said, she never used to sit there, never used to like be involved with us. So it was just mm-hmm. now, it was just me. And then it became like we kind of joined another team. Like a wider team and that's where it became like a thing of it was so toxic and I just didn't feel like I belonged at all it was like there was just I feel like my voice was never heard like I remember like one instance where we were doing like a like a it was like um what are those things called when you do like a fun session like it's meant to be like a fun like, like team a day team team, yeah like a team building day like and there was like a one whole day of it and I remember like we were in little teams and then we had to come up with like creative ideas so I like gave my idea and like no one like acknowledge it they just like looked past me and I was like okay cool like maybe it was really rubbish I started doubting myself like mm. okay maybe it was a really rubbish idea like just don't speak up now and then someone else said it the same thing that I did everyone was like oh my gosh that's such a good idea and I was just like 
what? And I was like, after that, I was like, I'm not even saying anything. I'm not even getting involved. And from then, I didn't. And I used to just go, like, we had this thing called the loft. I used to just, like, sit away from my team and sit in the loft by myself. And I would just talk to, like, the models and stuff because they were more relatable. Like, I don't know, I just found them more relatable and normal um, versus the people that were just in my team. And my manager used to be like, oh, you know, my manager's saying that, like, you need to show your face more. But I just didn't feel comfortable sitting there with all of them. Why did you? Why do you think that that culture made you feel like... It just wasn't very friendly and it was very mm-hmm. like, it wasn't like we were working in a team together. It was very like, if you do a little thing wrong, then you've done this. It's not like, okay, let's decide how to do this together. And people were just leaving so often. And I think working in fashion is very toxic as well. Like a lot mm-hmm. of people said that, like so many people would leave, like the turnover was like crazy. Yeah, it was a very like toxic culture, especially in like some of the fashion teams as well, I feel mm-hmm. like. But yeah, the, the cult, I think it's from the top down, mm-hmm. just wasn't a good culture, like from the head of the team was terrible. So many people in like my second team that I was in left as well. So many of them were on like PD, what's that thing called? Peace, uh, P- 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 PTSD? No, no, no. Pep, like the performance. Yeah, performance reviews, yeah. yeah. Um, so many people were on performance reviews. I got put on a performance review as well, which I've never had in my life. Like I would say that I do good work. So I was like, again, doubting myself. I was just like, oh my gosh, it made me feel really terrible. And then when I spoke to someone, I realised like there's about four of us in that team that are on it. And, I'm, and I know those people are smart. So I'm like, yeah, it's just things like that. And I just, that just made me leave. That just made me leave. And how did, yeah, how did that make you feel? Did you feel like lonely in the workplace? Very lonely because yeah. even my manager, like she kind of, I felt like she threw me under the bus a little bit. So from then I didn't even feel like I could trust her. So there was really like no one to talk to like HR they're never really they're never really that great I found in my experience and was there someone you could talk to to explain that problem or no I felt like anything anywhere I went nothing would happen and they would always just end up sticking up for like them I read this study that said if you have a best friend at work who you can like tell all your problems to and basically be yourself not in a work environment then people perform better Mm. stay longer in the job and have less like sick days and mental health so it's like it does make sense so I did have a friend there, like, but she wasn't in my team. So like, it was helpful to have her, but it also didn't help the fact that she's not in my team and all this stuff that I'm going through, like, she can't. There's nothing she can do to help me mm-hmm. either. Um, yeah, it was just a horrible environment. Like that, that whole situation that happened made me leave. But yeah, like the actual team, it was like quite toxic, and like even the head of the team, so many people left because of her. Um, and yeah, she, when she she actually left as well when we kind of all left and she was just she actually said like you know I'm going to a solo role now so I'm not going to be working with people under me because I think she even knew that she didn't have a good management style Mm. so how do you think you you change that I think HR need to actually like talk to people and take their feedback on not just and if there's like difficult things or things they don't want to hear or they might not like to hear they have to address it Mm -hmm. because I feel like that's a big thing like even when like Black Lives Matter happened the whole campaign George Floyd like was scared to address that on their Instagram and people of colour like black people were upset by that because they're like they're all their models so many of their models especially the male models are like so many of them are black so it's like why are you like you've, you're doing all this but then you're not even speaking up about it or being there for them or being there for an empl- employees do you feel like there was a problem like, like you just mentioned like in externally appearing diverse but yeah. actually internally yeah. not being that and, do, yeah. and was that linked to why you felt like uh, that you yeah. didn't belong most, I think so most probably like 
I feel like it was again the case of like junior staff were like of colour, but then as you go up, it just becomes more and more white, more and more middle class, and at the top it was just all men, and they were like quite old men, and they don't really even even I used to work in the insight team, we'd give them insights, but they wouldn't do anything off the back of those insights. Mm -hmm. So it's like you're not actually listening to what the people are saying, you're just taking what you want, spinning it, and then doing what you want, and you're not really you're just like spinning the insights to like feed your narrative of what you want and back up what you want to do anyway. Yeah. So is that why you felt like you weren't heard as well? Yeah, because yeah, 100%. Because with the insights, they just never used to listen. Mm-hmm. Like, even when they released the Asian line of, like, Indian wear, they got the names wrong and they got, like... Really? Yeah, yeah. The PR went crazy online. Everyone was like, they spelled it wrong. They didn't They put, didn't call it this. They didn't call it that. But, like, if only they asked, like, the insight team to do some research, I'm Indian, set up a focus group. Like, there's so many simple things they could do, but they just didn't ever mm-hmm. even with black lives matter they got in trouble for that because employees were like you're not you're not doing enough like you're not like giving us the support that we need it's fine for you to have models but you're not you don't actually care about us and like yeah people like people left because of that it sounds also a bit like when you were both talking about working in an agency that on the surface level yeah. if mm-hmm. you look at all the employees it looks like it's a really mm-hmm. diverse place mm-hmm. to work but when yeah. it comes to like decision making mm. yeah boardrooms yeah actually like executing campaigns mm-hmm. yeah decisions not, aren't it's yeah. very it's not a diverse yeah thing. yeah it's not diverse and at all I, I think when we talk about why we set 112 agency up yeah. that is a big factor mm-hmm. um because actually when we we were both in the senior team of mm-hmm. this agency yeah um and then the rest of the people who were non-white were all junior as in not decision makers at all but then even us being in the senior team we were not able to actually have our decisions heard, like, sorry, our Mm -hmm. our, um, opinions heard. When we were speaking about certain things and saying, you know, we need to implement this, diversity needs to be taken more seriously, it's not a tick box exercise, it's, you know, um, we just were never heard. Yeah, Um, that's true. And so we were like, I was like, what is the the problem? It's like, the right people aren't decision makers. And the quickest way to be decision makers was to set up by ourselves. (laughs) That was the quickest way just to do it. Of course, the client is ultimately decision maker, but we'd be more in a position to be able to, to... to guide them yeah about you know how to do campaigns that mm-hmm. are more inclusive and and that's what so i remember you both saying that because you weren't able to make decisions that would lead to campaigns being released like you just said yeah. not spelling yeah. things correctly that you can't be proud of because they're not yeah. actually authentic yeah, yeah. how did that make you feel when you were part of campaigns that you felt didn't actually authentically represent the cultures they were meant to be yeah do you know what it was embarrassing it was embarrassing yeah, that's the word that mm-hmm. came to my mind as well it was embarrassing to be yeah. to have my name associated yeah. with these campaigns because yeah. um i could see in the back end how these things came about yeah um so i would say firstly very embarrassing um secondly um it was just so disappointed and disheartening and actually mm-hmm. it was like is anything going to change yeah because yeah. this was post 2020 when everyone was ple- you know having their black squares and this mm-hmm. kind of thing so just a year or so later it's still, you know, people still not addressing the issues, people still treating diversity as a tick box. Mm -hmm. It kind of, it makes you, and then you start to question, am I the one who's got a problem here? Like, am I seeing something wrong? And then once again, that is isolating. And it does bring bring you back to being lonely in the workplace because it's Mm -hmm. like, well, actually, like, if I keep on saying this and and nobody's listening to me, then I'm very alone in this right now, you know? Yeah, Um, Yeah, it's true. And then that's actually how... G and I went for coffee once and mm-hmm. then we realised we had the same views and luckily mm-hmm. we had each other kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So actually we were able to, when we saw certain campaigns or certain messages going out about that, you know, the diversity efforts, 
um, we were we could, no, we could, we could share yeah. with each other. And we so could... you were both working at the same agency? Yeah, yeah both in the senior team. Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. I think I felt like you did. Like when there was campaigns and things happening, like you feel embarrassed. But then also like because you know your opinion is not being heard, then you, I just pull pull away because I'm just like, there's literally no point in my mm. effort and energy going into this because they're not going to hear it. They just remove it from the deck or they just don't take the idea to client. So there's no point. So mm. then, because when you start a job, like you're excited, you mm. want to like get involved. We were in the senior team. I was like, oh my gosh, like there's a black woman in the senior team. I was excited to see that. I was like, okay, cool. It's actually going to be inclusive. But when I got there, it wasn't. And same thing, like our mm. ideas weren't being heard. Mm. We told them to like start getting into music. They didn't want to listen. Mm. It, yeah, it just makes you pull away and not actually give your ideas. And then we just met and we realised that we're not crazy. Because yeah. it, <laughs> it makes you both, think, like, yeah. are you being extra? Like, do you yeah, know yeah, you yeah, think you that do. sometimes? Like, am do. I just being extra? Like, yeah. am I exaggerating this whole thing? Yeah. But then when you speak to someone else about it and you're like, no, like, it's valid. Like, yeah. we both feel like that. Yeah. And I think the loneliness as well doesn't just come from the actual work that we're doing. Mm-hmm. It's, the envir- it's the environment and the culture of a place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So obviously it can't be, like, it can't be necessarily avoided at times. And that's yeah. a, a bigger thing around you know, more diverse um, talent moving into marketing. Mm-hmm. That's, that, has, that has to drip through over mm-hmm. time, right? Mm-hmm. But when, if you're in, in an office or in a team and everybody's kind of into the same music, live in the same area, they kind of maybe have the same makeup tips or hair tips and they're talking about like, you know, and you can't identify that. So you're mm-hmm. sitting in a table full of women who can all kind of share experiences and have conversations and you're the only one who doesn't have the same hair mm-hmm. as them. Obviously, they're not being malicious at all, and they're not being mean, not mm-hmm. at all. They're, that's not the intention, but it just makes you very isolated. And I think that a lot of a lot of my experiences have been that more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Since being in the creative industry, and um, especially working in marketing, I've always been the only black person. So, and it's and it's always been like like people who have similar music tastes do the same things on the weekend, you know, and that kind of thing. So that is very isolating because mm-hmm. you just normal workplace kind of conversation you could go a whole day and not really speak to anyone because actually the stuff they're talking about you can't even add anything to that because you can't relate yeah you know and then and then i guess that makes it even harder to join in yeah because and then you feel like you have to pull away like yeah you can't like that's the same thing actually that's what i wouldn't put into words but it was that like not being able to like get involved in the conversation and like it was just quite bitchy and like yeah you just it's not like you're like friends and you can just chat about stuff and they'll get it like they wouldn't so i'd be i'd go down and speak to the it people because i'd get on more with them like mm. you could just have normal conversations laugh joke around but i could never do that with my own team mm-hmm. and it's the same at like yeah. the place that we were at together like it was just nothing malicious like the people were lovely but it's just a certain type of do you think that they all this is a problem of people just hiring the same type of person. Yeah, in the team. 100%. Like, like basically a lack of yeah. diversity and yeah. unconscious bias. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. You hire the same kind of person yeah. again and again yeah. because they remind you yeah. of Unless you realise that, okay, we need yeah. to tick a box now because it's starting to look a certain way. Let's yeah. now do this. Because yeah. I, I overheard yeah. someone at that company being like, okay, we need to make sure that we hire someone diverse now. And so when they did kind of interview someone, they were like, oh, and she's diverse and it's really great. But yeah, it's like, like that's not, yeah, literally <laughs> like tick, she's, that's a plus, but it's, it shouldn't be like that. Yeah. And also the point of diverse teams isn't just, like you said, for a tick box exercise mm-hmm. or to appear good on your diversity no. and inclusion workplace mm-hmm. chart. <laughs> it's also to create meaningful campaigns yeah. that are diverse and representative yeah, yeah, yeah. of all people yeah, the country, in the UK. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, And if you don't, if you just have one certain type of person. Yeah. That will leak through. Yeah, in yeah. Your work. And, and and even if they, if, even if the work is trying to be diverse, it will always be wrong. Yeah, because there's an inauthenticity to it that, mm-hmm. unless you come from a place, you wouldn't understand it. You know, it, like so when I say to G, like, 
if if I was ever asked to do like a Diwali campaign, yeah, mm. I would not have a clue where mm-hmm. to start, and I wouldn't yeah. even pretend like I do. Mm. And I think sometimes what happens is the agency will be like, yeah, yeah, we can do we can do a Diwali campaign. Yeah. No, you can't do a Diwali campaign. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, can't. <laughs> you can't. Cause even if like you research and everyone has the best intentions, like it's difficult. Because even when I've searched Diwali, it's not what it actually is on yeah. Google. So like there's Hindu Diwali, there's Sikh Diwali, and people wouldn't necessarily know that. So you need the lived experience. Yeah. You mm-hmm. really do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it kind of impossible to do it without there's little nuances that other people won't know that you can add like a flavour or a little touch to a campaign mm. that someone else wouldn't be able to bring. Mm. So yeah, I wanted to talk to you about how you how you decided to set up 112 mm-hmm. and why. I guess part of it is wanting to be in more senior positions where you can actually yeah. make decisions and impact campaigns in a positive mm-hmm. way. Yeah. But what was it that, that led you to just say, okay, we're doing this? What was it? I, I think it was that. I was thinking it was like, starting to get fed up and knowing for me that my voice isn't being heard I'm not actually getting to do the creative ideas that I wanted to and like mm-hmm. input into it and then like even things like wanting to sort of like them to branch out into music like it, they'll be like yeah, yeah yeah we'll do that but then it would never actually happen and I realized same thing happening like, I used to get bored of nine to fives like quite quickly because of that reason and then when me and Hannah started chatting over our coffee like we decided we both had the same views and then I don't know why we were just kind of like okay yeah. let's do this together yeah I think for me it's that I was just like, there's there's a gap here for for authenticity, mm-hmm. and I know there's like there we, there are competitors, we there are other agencies who do kind yeah. of what we do, but at the same time, it's like people don't have the same unique mm-hmm. viewpoints that we mm-hmm. do. Like we can still add value to marketing to advertising in the UK. Mm-hmm. So for me, I was like, well, there's a there's a gap here. Mm-hmm. We can make money doing this, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and yeah, the whole thing about being decision makers and actually yeah. having campaigns that we've had input in go out there as opposed to be stuck on a pitch deck you know yeah. or, or not even make it to the pitch deck mm-hmm. you know yeah. So, yeah. actually being able to do like pitches like with your own ideas actually featured in it it feels nice yeah because mm-hmm. yeah. it's like for the first time really for yeah. me yeah yeah same um and like being able to say no to things we don't want to do and yes to things that we want to do like yeah. it feels really good and i know you both also mentioned that you really want to champion and like authentically represent future generations mm-hmm. in a positive way yeah. mm-hmm. and that we spoke a bit about sometimes problems with like reinforcing negative stereotypes yeah. mm-hmm. of brand campaigns yeah. can we you speak a bit about that and yeah. how that happens i feel like especially for like eight british asian like stereotypes and stuff like that like you always see like if there's like a show or there's like an advert it will always be like they'll have an accent but that's not always the case that like, not everyone has an accent like my parents don't have an accent so it's like that um or like they always own a shop but again like that's again i can't relate because no one in my family like has a corner shop so i think it's like yeah reinforcing like the more the different like different things that our group of people do not just like the ones that everyone focuses on and is mm-hmm. a go-to um yeah it's just nice to see that and like we, we can we do other things that like, we don't just like um like play bangra and <laughs> eat pakoras and stuff like that like, we just like do you do we do everything that everyone yeah. else does so it's like why can't we just be seen doing that sometimes yeah. why is it like in a corn shop and it's an uncle like i don't i just don't it's just embarrassing it's always embarrassing yeah that's what yeah i would want to change what about you hannah um i think same but different so uh the negative stereotypes i think more plays to um like things like single black motherhood mm. is that when they, when you see a lot of adverts a lot of the time you don't see like a black family mm. You see, like, a single mum and her kids. They're happy going to Asda or whatever it is that they're doing. Mm. Um, or you see, like, 
a black man and a white woman, but you never see, not, no, I can't say never, but you very, very rarely see, mm. proportional to how common black families are, yeah. you don't see that represented on TV, that's the first thing. And the second thing as well is, it speaks more to, this is more of a personal thing to me, but it speaks more to colorism. Yeah. So oftentimes, if a black woman is depicted, she's of a lighter hue, mm-hmm. and that's problematic for young generations coming through. Mm-hmm. Because obviously there's lots of black kids still being born, mm-hmm. right? But because it's not like the, the proximity to whiteness is a lot further away mm-hmm. if you're dark skinned, so it's less accepted and it's less, less seen. And I think that's problematic because if you're not deemed as desirable or even like good mm. enough to be like a part of a marketing campaign, for example, mm. that has negative effects on, on yeah. how you see yourself. And so for young people, they need to see, you know, the young people coming up, they need to see themselves, mm-hmm. you know, in things represented properly. Mm-hmm. And I think also like that links to loneliness. Like yeah. if you are watching TV, you're watching ads, yes. you're watching yeah. like music videos yeah, yeah, yeah. and you never really see yourself like depicted yeah. on TV, then yeah. that you can feel isolated and alone because yeah. you're like, no one looks like me. Yeah, or yeah. you don't have a role model to look up to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And role models are super important. Mm-hmm. And I actually remember, because growing up, there was a lot of TV that I didn't watch. Mm-hmm. And like I remember like my husband saying to me, you didn't watch this stuff. And I'm like, I didn't see myself depicted on these things. Mm-hmm. Actually, that reinforced that I'm not deemed to be attractive. So mm-hmm. why would I spend my free time watching something mm-hmm. like that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it does have an effect. But I think now... Things are changing mm-hmm. and hopefully more people like myself and G, there's lots of people around now who are, you know, having these conversations and, and trying their best to kind of change things. And what's the result of you guys seeing a piece of work that you feel really proud about and like has authentically represented the communities that you want to represent? Have you got examples of that? Yeah, I think one of the ones is the, you know, like the, the swimwear company that we worked with. Yeah, yeah. Working with like diverse models. Cause, so we worked with a swimwear company and it's, it's, a solo founder um, and she's like a really beautiful lady she's white she's slim but she said herself to us that like all her photos all her assets and all her imagery online is all of her in her swimsuit mm-hmm. um, but she wants to be able to represent all women and so we came to her and said rather than just working with young women why not work with women of different life stages so why not work with women who who've had kids and maybe mm-hmm. like they're not as confident with their bodies and you know different sizes as well because um, the swimwear range goes up to like you know it's very very inclusive in in the sizing so we're like let let like let's do this kind of thing so that was really we were really proud of that one because it was like it, you've taken a brand who's literally like a slim white woman like perfect kind of thing to like I'm not saying the other people aren't perfect yeah. but what's deemed as perfect yeah. right and it's now like everyone and it's just opened up the swimwear company to lots of people who maybe wouldn't have seen it. And when people tried it, they were like, wow, it's so flattering. But it's only seeing somebody else who looked like them, who had a body shape like them, or was not the same age as them, wearing the swimsuit, that they were like, I can give this a try too. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was, I think that was a very proud Mm -hmm. moment. Yeah, it was was nice to see it. Like one of the, like my favourite pictures from that campaign is like one of ours. Not being biased, but the one with um, Rosette. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, even even she, Romy, uses that quite a lot. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's a very nice one. Yeah, that one. So it's a, it's a dark-skinned um, black woman, and she um, has braids. Mm-hmm. And you just don't often see that depiction of, yeah. like, a natural hairstyle, a dark-skinned woman mm-hmm. living her best life. She was, like, in Morocco or something yeah. in a swimsuit. Oh, cool. yeah. But that, that is, that's super important mm-hmm. because brands just don't use models no. like that, yeah. you know? Um, so yeah, that was good. And I feel like, especially in sustainability, it can be like quite white, yes, mm-hmm. a middle class. It's a sustainable like, swimmer, yeah, brand. it's okay. sustainable. So, like having someone like Rosette, it shows that like there's other groups of people that are like passionate about sustainability and doing their bit for it, but they're doing it in their own way. Yeah. So it's nice. It just makes it more accessible again. Yeah. Because I guess the positive side of like 
brand campaigns and advertising is like inspiring people yeah yeah Yeah. but if it's used in a negative way like oh you have to look like this you have to be young you have to be skinny you have to be x then it's quite negative yeah Yeah. but whereas if it's like promoting body positivity Mm -hmm. sustainability that's kind of using campaigns to promote positive yeah definitely and i feel like it's nice to pay a creator like part being part of the creator Mm. economy and like being able to pay a creator directly for what they're doing mm-hmm. it feels good as well yeah yeah like that not is... paying an agency like or yeah. an actor or a model mm-hmm. like it feels nice like yeah they're actually doing things that they care about or they're passionate about creating content like it takes so much time and effort and even working with like the smaller content creators as yeah well, some so of them influencers yeah yeah. Content, yeah yeah so some of the influencers they it would be like their first or second campaign like some of them didn't even know how to do it how to like make an invoice yeah. you know to, for us to pay them because it's yeah. the first time they've ever done this kind of content but because they were so passionate about sustainability <clears throat> they already had like an inbuilt audience of people who, who would listen and care so it's yeah. like giving people their first kind of first opportunity into kind of yeah this yeah. kind of world and them getting paid for it they were so like happy you know yeah. um so yeah that, that was a that so was, you yeah. sourced the influencers for yeah. the campaign yeah yeah, wow, yeah. Cool. and even for them it's cool that they get to grow their reach then because then Romy like so so swim will like then post them and then they'll be like there's a wider reach for them for like sustainability like yeah. or people that are into sustainability so they'll now follow them mm-hmm. um so it's nice like yeah. to give like to, to have that community like feel and know that we were part of it yeah. and i think that that was something we spoke about that you want to really champion within 112 it's, mm-hmm. n- it's not because agencies have this kind of reputation of being like competitive yeah. battlefields yeah. with the other agencies yeah, yeah, but yeah. what you guys are really trying to do is build community yeah so how are you doing that it's been really interesting because from the get-go, we when we kind of discover there are other agencies who do what we do, we're like, oh wow, this is great. So it's many, proof of concept. Yeah. It means that they're making money, they're making it work, so that this this thing works. And we would reach out to some or we'd be in the same place, you know, same kind of events, and just be really friendly and we'd just be really friendly with each other and we would be collaborating. So for example, like oftentimes there's like WhatsApp groups where it's like, oh we like we can't fulfill this client need. Can you guys do it? Wow. Mm-hmm. And oh you know and, and mm-hmm. you know, this is like deals that are worth quite a bit of money and they're handing over to us and be like can you guys do it because we yeah. can't do it and like similarly like somebody wanted some um, US influencers recently and I was just like look we can't fulfill that because we don't work with US influencers in that mm-hmm. way um, but we know someone who does and it's mm-hmm. another like creative look, sorry, cultural um, influence marketing agency who would be our competitor but we give each other work all the time mm-hmm. um, and it's, it's really nice to, to kind of operate like that and I think it even makes the journey of being business owners less lonely mm-hmm. yeah. because you're like and we're all kind of being very frank with each other. So when we're having quiet times, it's like, is it quiet for you too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's quiet for us as well, kind of thing. Yeah. So then you're like, okay, we're not doing something wrong here. Yeah. It's that like the market is quiet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, and that just gives you that that push to keep on going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also what you both said about the, um, working with influencers and building up their own profile, like mm-hmm. that's also a community in itself. Yeah. Like the influencers that you work with and building those positive yeah. relationships, it's it's... Yeah, has a ripple effect. It's interesting because when we first started the agency, I don't think we ever thought about the community aspect of it. No. Mm-hmm. But we are now actively seeking out to ensure that we are growing our community because it naturally happened. Mm-hmm. So it naturally happened that we've got a community of competitors, so to speak, who actually do the same thing we do, but we all help each other. Then we've got a community of like all the talent managers mm-hmm. and all the influencers and the brands we work with. We've like become you know good friends with some of the people we work mm-hmm. with. So it's actually like wow we're the centre of this little community. Mm-hmm. Like, let's actually start to create something with this, you know, because it shows that a lot of people say when they see us that they're, they're like, kind of like, wow, you know, 
two women of colour are like running this agency yeah. and they, they love to see it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, maybe there is something here. Maybe we should yeah. kind of build that this community, but also to help like up and coming generations as well. Mm-hmm. So one of our big things about it is it's not just to make money and just to like make marketing more, more fair or more representative. It's actually to practically help young people mm-hmm. actually who would feel lonely coming into a creative industry to know that there are, there are people who have already done it kind of mm-hmm. thing. So a lot of what we do is like, not mentoring yet, but kind of like talks and like, you know, go to colleges and give them talks and stuff about like getting into the industry and that they can do it. I suppose that also links to, I know you recently um, published an article for Campaign yeah. about diversity and inclusion in the creative field. Yeah. And there was that, um, what what was it? According to a study, over half of black, Asian and majority ethnic professionals are experiencing discrimination in the creative mm-hmm. industry and 85% of the same group are likely to leave the industry due to lack of inclusion. Mm-hmm. So this isn't an isolated case, what you both experienced no, in no, different no. workplaces. This is like nationwide. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is a problem. Yeah. And to have, as you said, like there aren't even that many people in the industry already. So yeah. to have the people that are there leave, leave yeah. that's... so. Mm-hmm. I, what what were you saying in that article because I think it was really interesting talking about there's a lot of diversity and inclusion programs yeah, but yeah, they're yeah. not necessarily working yeah I mean the title of it was a bit <laughs> full on because it was um, diversity get get uh, do away with the diverse, diversity BS and actually mm-hmm. truly you know include people something along those lines but essentially it's that it's that rather than patting ourselves on the back and being like you know now we've got a DNI policy we're doing great actually how are you ensuring that people do feel included because diversity is actually a much easier thing to achieve you can look you can look around an office and you can see that it it could be quite diverse Mm -hmm. but for similar reasons that I was speaking about earlier where I said there's times where I was sitting at the desk you know in an office and didn't feel like I could speak to anyone or get involved with the conversation Mm -hmm. diversity was there if you looked at the office it's diverse but in terms Mm -hmm. of inclusion that's where the issue lies and it's that lack of inclusion that makes people leave and it's the reason why I left mm-hmm. it's the reason why G left and it's the reason why lots of l- young people of colour are leaving the industry because of that inclusion side of things mm-hmm. and it's a step further than just recruiting diverse people it's actually now taking a step further mm-hmm. and being like what are your needs how can we ensure that you feel um, that you're part of this, yeah. this company you know what what is wrong with the way our culture and the way we do things mm-hmm. that we can change to ensure that you feel good here and that we can retain you mm-hmm. um, you know you know. but yeah I think that's part of the reason why 85% of people are Yeah, 100%. Because even when you think about like advertising as well, like even from when I was younger, I remember like it's a very like heavy drinking culture, going out and socialising. And like if, if you're, even if you're um, introverted, it doesn't suit you. I can be quite introverted. So it, like if you don't go, you like feel bad because you're not going and people are like, why aren't you going? So like there's so many different places that you can feel excluded in different ways. So, like, say someone's Muslim and they don't drink, then what? Yeah. I heard like, a story about, uh, like, a social was going and drinking beer in a burger restaurant. Like, it, and someone was Muslim on the team. And yeah. it's just, take, these things yeah, need to be yeah. taken into yeah, consideration. Yeah, it, it can just be awkward, especially if someone's junior. Like, they don't want to be, like, making a fuss or seem mm. like they're making a fuss, so they might just be quiet, but, or then they might just not go because of it and make an excuse. And then it's like, oh, you've not been to the socials X many times, but... Is because they don't feel comfortable and warm. So, like, I think companies t- need to make sure that, like, it, even though it's diverse, that people are actually included and feel, like, comfortable. Mm. And how how do you think they and do welcome. that? welcome. You said conversations. Yeah. So, yeah. actually... I think it's just actually asking the question. Yeah. yeah. What can we do to... And that's across the board. So, I gave a talk recently at an agency, and, and that's one of the questions the CEO asked, one of the CEOs asked, and he was like, 
how can we? And I was like, just yeah. have the conversation. Yeah. Just like you would with anyone, you know, if you have a friend or you have whatever, a flatmate and you know, there's, you want to find out, okay, how can we live together yeah. to ensure that this works? It's the yeah. same thing. How, just ask the question. And it doesn't necessarily single out the, <clears throat> the diverse people. I say mm-hmm. that in quotation marks. It's more to um, everyone. Yeah. Because you don't know what people are going through. And I always use the example of when we were working at our last agency, I recruited a young man to work with me. And he was, uh, he was white and he was working class. And he um, didn't come from the same background as most other people who worked in the team. Because mm-hmm. the team, it was a very middle class agency. Most people are middle class in this, in this mm-hmm. kind of industry. But he stuck out a lot in terms of not being from a, the same kind of background. Um, and they, I, I recruited him because he had the hunger, the drive, the mm-hmm. willingness to learn. He had all of the... But when I recruited him, it was kind of like, you're taking a risk by recruiting this guy. And it's like, well, no, actually. But he had, he had needs that, um, I want to be like, ensure that yeah, I'm not kind yeah, of yeah. like, but he, he had needs that other people couldn't understand, but mm-hmm. I could. Okay. And so because I could understand his needs, his needs were just that he was different, right? Yeah. And his needs were different things. But being, I think sometimes when you're different, it makes you be able to see somebody yeah. else more. You have mm-hmm. So well. I feel like I mm-hmm. saw him more than anybody else. Mm-hmm. Because I could see his, his needs, yeah. but they, the other people were kind of like impatient with him. And they were like, you know, he's not doing a good enough job, X, Y, Z. But it's like, no, he's got specific needs to his home environment and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That means that he can't, he doesn't feel like he's included as well. Mm-hmm. So actually, if, if it's that across the board, we say to everyone, regardless of their background, their race, their gender, whatever it may be. What can we do to ensure that you're included, that you feel like you're a part of this company, mm-hmm. that you, you're adding to this culture, not trying to mould to the culture? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's another thing as well. That's yeah. a main thing. Um, that... Then I think we'll get we'll get a bit closer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think conversations in non-intimidating ways, like you can't just be like, okay, cool, there's that junior person who's, you know, something's happening there. Come in and chat to me, I'm the CEO. Like what, like you, it can't be like that. Mm-hmm. It has to be like, maybe like start with like anonymous box or something or a place where you can send an anonymous like message or anonymous survey or something where you can actually get their true feelings or maybe they speak to like somebody outside of the organization that's like doing like a change survey or something because people aren't going to be honest yeah. if they feel intimidated or they feel like it means they're going to lose their job or something. Yeah, like you treat them fairly Yeah, you're not. Like, so many times people don't tell the truth because mm. of that. Mm. True. And then, like you said, they'll just withdraw. Yeah. Like, feeling lonely and marginalised at work, you're actually less likely to engage yeah. in all the different things that could potentially lead to getting a promotion. Exactly. And like, yeah. Um, I was thinking even about socials. Like, you could have a box where everyone puts in ideas for a work social. Yeah. And then you put, like, the ones that people, like, people vote. And yeah. if someone, and you can comment, like, this wouldn't work for me because, yeah, because I don't drink. Yeah. Can we do it something that's, yeah. like... I don't know, exercise yeah. Or yeah. instead or yeah. during the day, even like if people have children, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. it shouldn't be in the evening then yeah, because yeah. that's going to be difficult. Yeah. 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 I think, I think these conversations and that's the thing that I found so interesting about your article. People, it's quite easy to organize one seminar yeah. on diversity <laughs> inclusion, but like yeah. having a holistic yeah. relook yeah. at your company yeah. is what people really need to do 100%. and at their employees individual needs. Yeah. 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 Meet them where they are. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that we have a long way to go. So mm-hmm. far. Yeah. Have you spoken to other other people in the creative industry who have experienced the same as what you've experienced? Uh, like feeling lonely and marginalised? Yeah, I, feel, I know it's going to sound crazy, right? Yeah. But I feel like anyone who, from my experience, anyone who's black feels the same. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't think of any, genuinely, I can't think of any black person that I know in the creative industry who doesn't have those feelings. 
or hasn't at least experienced yeah. those feelings. I think there are a few agencies now. I, I mean, I've never worked client side as well, so it could be completely different mm-hmm. um, um, brand side. But from an agency perspective, I think most people do feel that feel like this. Yeah, I would agree as well. Like from like people of color that I've met that I've worked in creative agencies, like along my whole journey of like working in advertising, like it's been the same. Mm. You all end up like grouping together mm-hmm. and like becoming friends, like even without like meaning to do it. It just becomes a thing where like people of color like get closer and yeah. become friends because of like the experience shared experiences yeah. and they feel like they can't say it to other people because again and you want to valid like you want to make sure that you're verifying like your experience like am i being crazy or like it's actually yeah it's actually happening like, what i'm feeling is this actually yeah so then yeah. it ends up becoming a thing of like you end up forming groups like mm. or friendship groups like with other people of color it's always happened for me in every single agency yeah pretty much yeah can you see progress being made or do you think I don't, because the problem is with 85% of people wanting, of, of diverse people wanting to leave. Mm. Where do they go? Like, like us, set, set up their own things. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people are setting up their own things. Mm. Or oh, freelancing. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, a lot of people are freelancing. Yeah. That's a trend yeah. I've, yeah. I've seen really? with a lot of people I know yeah. who worked in advertising yeah. and are of colour, they're freelancing. Yeah. So I think that's what people are doing, which is yeah. it's great in the sense of um, entrepreneurialism. But it's, it's entrepreneur, entrepreneurs nerdism itself is a privilege to be able to do yeah because when you're not being able to pay yourself a wage yeah you, you if you have to pay rent or your mortgage or whatever it may be yeah you've got uh, caretaking responsibilities or whatever that may be that isn't itself in a privilege to yeah. be able to, to step out and create your do own that. business yeah so some people probably are just trapped in jobs that they they want to mm. maybe do do a, their own uh, yeah. agency or whatever maybe but they can't mm. um yeah. so yeah there's what we need is not kind of I don't think we should celebrate people leaving and doing their own thing yeah actually but actually create environments where they can be a part of the system and grow and mm-hmm. feel comfortable in those yeah. spaces and, mm-hmm. and if they do want to because I feel that we set up our own thing out of more necessity it's yeah. true for our mental health it's yeah. true than wow. desire yeah. yeah to do it and it's I true. think like maybe there was a a place of business where it was like a hom- one homogenized culture mm-hmm. and that was what like you said you either yeah. fit in or you yeah. don't mm-hmm. and then you just feel isolated if you mm-hmm. don't but we need to get to a place where everyone can share their views yeah. and because everyone's experience at work is going to mm-hmm. be different yeah. and have those open conversations yeah, yeah. Um, and i think it doesn't have to because the thing is i don't think it will ever get perfect yeah no but if you know that you're in a place that's striving to do better every day mm-hmm. and that's all you can ask yeah you know it's you we're not expecting it to be perfect and no, no one's going to talk about like the shampoo they use and that leaves you out of course <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's unrealistic of yeah. course but if you know that it like everyone's striving to do better yeah. then that's 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 even a step closer than where we are now yeah. or you feel like you can share your opinion and you can yeah. share your view because yeah. it, it, as long as you feel like you're being heard. I yeah. Think being That's a what it is. Everyone yeah. can be different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you feel like you can be yourself, yeah, or you can true. bring parts of yourself to work yeah. and not just cut them off. Yeah. That's what I think can be so lonely. Yeah. When yeah. you have to pretend to be someone yeah, yeah. else. Well, code switching yeah. is... That's a, yeah. What's code, that? Code switching. I don't... Like, I'm sorry if it's not a proper definition because I don't know mm-hmm. entirely. I've just... My interpretation is essentially switching your... The way you talk, the way you act, maybe the way you dress. Mm-hmm. To be more palatable in a white centric environment, okay. mm, that's, that's what yeah, code switching is, is. I think that is it. Yeah. Um, it doesn't necessarily be white centric, but it's just because of where we are. It, yeah. yeah. It will, so, for example, um, like I've got a very South London accent, mm-hmm. so in certain environments, I will change it completely so that it's nearly masked kind mm-hmm. of thing. That would be what code switching is. Mm-hmm. It's that it's that kind of thing, or maybe like 
like I'm wearing braids, right? Mm-hmm. But I hardly ever wore any kind of black natural hairstyles mm-hmm. f- for the majority of my career. Mm-hmm. Because code switching means where have straight long hair, mm-hmm. flowy hair, mm-hmm. that's more acceptable. People understand that. Mm-hmm. And if, even at school, you're not allowed to yeah, have in some types yeah. of hair. Yeah, in some schools. Which is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like, the thing is, is, obviously, Afro hair grows up. It doesn't grow down, right? Mm-hmm. It just naturally grows mm-hmm. to the heavens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if, 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 if one person can, can come out of the house and have their hair out and it, it, grow, it goes down because of gravity, why can't the other person have their yeah, hair out if it naturally natural just grows form. up? Why can't we just have our it's hair crazy. in our natural forms? But and yeah, th- th- I mean, there's all of that. There's even the loneliness around hair for black women. No, that's a whole. In what way? So for like, so for example, right? So in order to the fact that you can't just wake up, wash your hair, and go to work, for example, as a black woman, you like because it's not deemed the way it will look is not deemed to be professional. Then you've got to go through the whole thing of like hairdressers appointments or like doing this stuff, and so you're spending like an hour or two in your hair a day spending hundreds of pounds a month on your hair just to make it look maintain the yeah to have a certain look that you're then going to be palatable at work and someone's not going to say you're being you know mm. you, don't, you don't look professional or you look yeah. messy like that's very um isolating in itself um and I, um, my daughter is four and i was doing my mum was kind of braiding her hair yesterday and she was braiding it to keep it neat for school this mm. week um it stays in all so the braid style will stay in from mm. monday to friday right and it, she was, because of the way it is, it's quite, it hurts a little bit. Mm, like, it's quite, it's yeah, tight. It's tight. So it, 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 hurt, it hurts yeah. her scalp. And so she was like crying. And I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. I wish I could just let her wear her hair out. Mm. Like, I wish it was socially acceptable. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. And to. fine. No, because, um, no, all the kids have to have their hair tied back because of, um, what it's, is it? Nips. Oh, nips. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. But I was just like, I wish it was socially acceptable. Like, she could just be free. Be free. Yeah. Just be free. Yeah. But it's just one of those things yeah. where it's not yeah but code switching is a thing like even at the last place we worked at i heard someone had said that i don't present like i'm senior mm. and since from then i felt so un- i already feel uncomfortable like presenting kind of thing although i don't feel uncomfortable when it's our own company so maybe that is like says it all really yeah, yeah, yeah. um yeah i always feel like i always felt kind of uncomfortable doing it and yeah when i heard that that just made me more uncomfortable and i just felt very self-conscious when i was presenting now and i think it's because of like the way i speak as well like, i don't i don't speak like maybe how the rest of the people in the senior team spoke. So maybe that comes across a certain way. I could be quite introverted, so I'm not like really loud and I have my own way of presenting. But I think even that is not normalised. Like at the agency, they used to have a problem if someone was more introverted and they used to see it as a problem. But I used to think, like, I don't understand. Like, people are people. Like, the different mm-hmm. roles suit yeah. different people. Like, yeah. if you've got a data science, scientist, like, they tend to be more introverted. That's the way it is. Like, I don't understand what the problem is That's with that. That's what makes a great team. Yeah, yeah. everyone having team. different. Yeah. Why is it seen like, as a bad thing? Mm. Like, it's just it's kind of crazy. Like, yeah. yeah, even little things like that. Like, someone wouldn't realize that them saying that has made me feel a certain way. For it stuck with me. I'm still with mm. it now. They don't realize, mm. and that makes you definitely feel lonely because I felt really like uncomfortable to present after that. Yeah, and I think if th- it's something that if if the person who said it just take took a moment to to think, okay. Why do I think that? Why do I think that about her? Yeah. What What does it say about me more so yeah. than her? Like, because I think people don't look at from their own... People, obviously, we all have, like, viewpoints in life and that kind of thing, right? But actually, if you put yourself in someone else's shoes a little bit and be like, well, why is that person introverted? Why Or why is that person... Why do I think that person doesn't present in the mm. way that I think they should present? Yeah. Mm. You know, what's what going on with that person? 
kind of put yourself in their shoes. And I think even with the, the young the young guy that I was telling you, um, talking about earlier, who was in my team and he was going through stuff, all I could do is put myself in his shoes and I'll be like, his behaviour is perfectly reasonable for someone yeah, who's going through that. 100%. Yeah. But, but I, don't, I think sometimes if you don't ever have to put yourself in someone's shoes or you don't necessarily have struggles that make you different and you don't have that element of loneliness because your whole identity makes you different from everybody mm-hmm. else around you it's hard to empathize i think with people who are different and i think that we need more training on this like managers yeah. oh. need to be more compassionate yeah. and yeah. empathic and understanding yeah, because you've got a team of people who are all going to be going through different yeah, yeah, things. Yeah. and even if you look at like the mental health statistics at the moment in mm. the uk we have the most people ever yeah. off work sick for an le- extended period yeah. of time like that's pandemic that's burnout that's stress that's yeah. loneliness that's a lot of different yeah. things but what that needs is compassionate yeah. and understanding managers yeah i think the problem with the advertising and kind of marketing industry is that people aren't trained to be managers mm. a lot of the time people are just you've been here long enough or oh you've done enough you've done you've served the especially agency side like oh you've been in the senior account exec for a certain amount of time yeah now we're going to make you an account manager and you'll have like a few account execs under you but there's no training in terms of people management people skills empathy and also not everybody not everybody is supposed to be managers like yeah. not everybody has 100%. a personality type that means that they are would be a good manager and they could be an amazing colleague an amazing person but the stress of them being a manager on top of doing their day job some people just that's yeah, not the way that they're, they're designed mm. so i think that firstly there's two things the way to grow in a company shouldn't always be to promote to be a manager yeah, yeah I think it's true that penalizes because I was listening to a podcast recently and one of the, I think it was Spotify, I think it's from, no, not Spotify, Shopify. Mm-hmm. And what what he was saying was that he's the president of Shopify and what he was saying was that some people just aren't supposed to be managers. Yeah. But yet still, they can be promoted as like, um, they become like a, a really niche specialist mm-hmm. yeah. in one thing. For that function or yeah, whatever. So for that function. Yeah. So they're still promoted and they're still getting higher salaries and getting more responsibility. Yeah. But it just means they don't have a team underneath them yeah. because some people True. aren't made to have teams. Some yeah. people aren't as compassionate or empathic. Yeah. Yes, you can train it, but if you're not actually skilled in yeah. managing people... Yeah, they have no people skills. Yeah. Zero like people skills. Like, yeah, you're right. But not everyone's made to be a manager. No, but it's true that that is like the trajectory yeah it is. but the thing is like so for myself i would say i feel like i'm a natural leader i've kind mm. of just always mm. been however in terms of a manager because they're two different things right in terms of a, ma- a day-to-day manager it's not really my sweet spot it's mm-hmm. kind of like so i um, even i said to g like when we recruit people g's very empathetic uh, empathetic um like she's got a lot of time for people mm-hmm. and like i'm just like let's go this business let's <laughs> make the business like you know amazing kind of thing right <laughs> but it complements each other so yeah. even with our new recruit um like G line manage like G line manages her and it's like that works really well because mm-hmm. actually she's got G's got more of the like, empathy mm-hmm. and I've got the self awareness to be like I don't have that same level of empathy yeah. mm-hmm. for someone like a junior member to mm-hmm. join our team. Mm-hmm. You do that, I'll kind of do something mm-hmm. else kind of thing, right? And yeah. I think if more people had maybe self awareness that of what their strengths are yeah. in terms of how they relate yeah. to people, maybe yeah. things would be a bit better yeah. for all kind of thing, you know? Yeah, people don't have that awareness of themselves, I yeah. think. Yeah. Like of course, like, no one has all the awareness. Like, there's things that, we can I, yeah, yeah, I might not see about myself. But, yeah, it's having the awareness and empathy. Like, you never know what someone's going through. Like, the mm. things I've found out sometimes what people are going mm. through after, like, explain so much. And it's just, like, you never know yeah. what they could be going through. So you can never, you should never, like, you should always speak to the person. Yeah, true. And, and I th- treat everyone with kindness. Yeah. Because you just don't know what people are going no. through. No. And I think it's twofold. It's like the self-awareness on an individual level yeah. of like, these are my qualities. 
and then the awareness of a business to be like, okay, we need to look inward and mm-hmm. deal with this as a holistic mm-hmm. thing. How mm-hmm. can we ensure that employees feel safe, yeah. mm-hmm. feel included, yeah. and feel able to share their opinion, yeah. like in an environment that isn't going to punish them yeah. for that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I don't. Yeah, I think you said, like you said, so many people at work probably feel like they can't. Yeah. Like tell especially in a smaller company if you don't have like an occupational health department how yeah, can you tell how are you gonna do that? that you're not feeling well mm-hmm. or yeah. you need some time off or yeah. you need extended leave yeah all yeah. of that yeah like how are you going to speak to your manager about that especially if they're that person that's not empathetic and they, they have no people skills like how are you supposed to tell them mm-hmm. like how you're actually feeling about them it's awkward how are yeah. you going to do that yeah so how have you guys taken all this experience and then implemented that in 112 to create like this more inclusive and positive workplace so we were speaking about it Mm. recently like last week um with with um the the new person who's joined the company and um she was saying actually it's the least toxic place oh it's like the happiest she's ever been in her job kind of thing wow um and i think what we've done i mean we're a small team right so Mm -hmm. and things can kind of get a bit difficult the bigger you grow of course Mm -hmm. but as a small team we're very like honest with each other Mm -hmm. so we're very transparent with each other in terms of like what's going on what what people are going through we give each other kind of time Mm -hmm. to be so like for example like I might be like right guys I've got so many things going on can you guys can you just please kind of like carry the mantle until Mm -hmm. I can come and pick it back up again yeah um and they will Whereas mm-hmm. I think in more traditional workplaces, yeah, you don't course. even have that transparency. Or, and it's also like the idea of, oh, now I've got to do more work, you know, because that person's slacking. Yeah, When actually that true. person's just going through something. Yeah, I feel like me and Hannah are really good at that as well. Like, and I really appreciate it because sometimes I have like mentally low days where I just can't do certain things. And like in a traditional role, I could never say that. Maybe you would have to make something up and say you're feeling sick or you just have to continue and work and be struggling. But with Hannah, I can just tell her and she'll understand. She'll be like, take the time you need. And then for me, that's better because I'm not just doing like half-assed like job at something mm. or half-hearted job like because I'm struggling. I'll come back and I'll do it better because then I know that I'm feeling good now. So it's just being able to do yeah. that. And like even with like certain pitches, like it can be quite lonely and frustrating Like when it's supposed to be a yes or you're supposed to be get, get a piece of work and you don't. And sometimes like, I take that and it just like annoys me and it sits with me. So I think being honest, like not only with Hannah, but also with Cameron, like, um, sorry, the person we work with, like in when we have our meetings, I was like, guys, I'm struggling. Like, I just can't get past this. I'm still thinking about mm. it. Like, whereas if you're a manager, like other people might not do that to the person that's like, like on in, in their team that they're line managing. Cause they might think it's going to make them look vulnerable. But for me, it's important that I do it because then I know that she knows that she can do it. And we're all human. Like, I'm not untouchable because, like, I'm her manager. Like, I can still have those feelings. Um, and it makes you feel better because then we all spoke mm. about it. And then after we spoke about it, I felt better mm. about it. So And we're not machines. Like, yeah, we're not your machines. Your work is not going to be, like, a constant, steady, like, chug. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, yeah, yeah. ebbs and flows. Yeah. And, I, yeah, I definitely think being able to be vulnerable mm. as a manager, that yeah. is, it's so brave, but it creates a culture yeah. of people being open at work yeah to know that you can do that to mm-hmm. know that okay if i'm feeling a bit off about something i don't have to pretend that oh my gosh it's okay it's all gonna be okay mm. like, i can actually feel sad that we didn't win that pitch or i can actually feel low about that or i can have a day where i'm feeling mentally low and mention it without mm. being judged mm. or feeling like yeah you're not capable of like working or you're being lazy like i think yeah i think me and hannah have got that like mm. from the get-go when it was just us two mm. we've been like that so mm-hmm. And she's gonna yeah. continue yeah with the more the bigger the team gets we'll keep on 
mm. just keeping that same kind of culture yeah, of just yeah. being open and transparent yeah also we spend so much of our lives at work yeah, yeah. like if you can't be open and honest at work and yeah. bring parts of yourself to work yeah. or like your whole self to 100%. work then you're spending most of your life just like yeah hiding and wearing yeah. a mask and pretending that things are okay yeah and that's yeah, draining. No, yeah, and I feel like if you create that nice environment where people actually want to come to work mm-hmm. and they enjoy it, like they'll do more. Mm. As in, not do more, like as in you'll get more out of them, but like they'll perform better, their productivity will be better. Like they'll actually be enjoying it. You'll all be having fun together. Mm-hmm. Like it'll feel like you're a little family kind of thing. Like it, it, it yeah. It's just, it's just for the better. Mm. Like, do you guys work together from home, or do you have, do you do things as a team ever to kind of bond? We're hybrid, so mm-hmm. we work from home and we also work in like a shared workspace kind of mm-hmm. thing um so when we work on the shared workspace like we always get lunch together for example yeah. that's just like our little thing that we do um and like we take the hour and actually speak to each other and you know mm-hmm. talk about things we also um like check in every day as like a team because we're small but it just helps to kind of set the tone for the day and, and you know just if there's anything that anyone needs help with or anything like that it's just mm-hmm. kind of so yeah we we do make an effort to ensure that we kind of check in with each other because Obviously, you are working from home and that can get lonely. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we check in and then, like, we're trying to plan. G and I spend a lot of time, because we, we're friends as well as business partners, we spend a lot of time anyway together. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, going out yesterday or whatever. Yeah. Like, we might be like, oh, do you want to go out for a drink on Friday or whatever it may yeah. be. So, and similarly with, with um, our new team member, like, we're planning socials and we're doing stuff like that as well. So, Do you yeah. think being hybrid is important? Yeah, I, I, I think that FaceTime as a team is, is, is important. And what we tend to do is our, we do our creative brainstorms together as much yeah. as we can. So when we're kind of putting together pictures and stuff, when we're doing our kind of the creative brain dump parts, we like to do it together as much as we can. Yeah. And I feel like about... it's just nice to like have those moments where like you're not working and you're going to the kitchen to make a coffee together and then you end up chatting about yeah. something random like, oh, look at that mug, it's really cool. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Like you just end up like yeah. doing little things which you'll never do on a Zoom. Yeah. Because yeah. it it's meeting and then you might chat, of course, about other stuff, but it's not the same. Mm. It's just like, it's nice to know, get to know the person like in person. Yeah. So how many days do you do in the office versus So currently one day in the office, okay. four at home. Mm-hmm. But um, we're looking at potentially two in the mm-hmm. office um, and then, yeah, the rest at home. Yeah. No, I think that's definitely important. You, I can feel when I spend too much time working from home, like you yeah. become more disengaged. Yeah. yeah. Just because you don't... And also, like you said, like work isn't just... It can, you can feel like you're not being that productive, but if you're in the office and you just had loads of conversations with people and you were on your laptop a bit and you achieved... Like maybe even less than what you do at um, home. Yeah. You feel more productive because you're yeah. just in that yeah. environment yeah. and yeah. you're having like casual conversations yeah. with people, learning more. I read yeah. that like for young people starting a new career, mm. there's so much that you learn just from like hundred percent coffee chats, yeah. just randomly popping hearing. into a meeting that maybe yeah. you weren't invited to, but someone's 100%. just hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Networking. Yeah. That can't happen. No. Yeah. Just staring at a screen by yourself. A hundred percent. And I think having a startup and there's not many of us is important because it can get quite lonely. Mm. Like, yeah, having your own business, like the ups and downs and stuff like that. And like, yeah, it can get quite lonely. So Mm. I think it's nice to like know that you're all in it together Mm -hmm. and there's no like hierarchy Mm. and there's a safe space to chat about like work and non-work stuff. Mm -hmm. So what's, what's next for 112 and for you both? What's next to you, G? What's next for me? <laughs> um, next for me in uh, I always like, put you 112. First. Yeah. I always do that when I'm yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> does. I don't mind it because it kind of does, but it works. Hey. It works. 
it does work and it's like what do you think you know, some of my best answers come out like that don't they yeah, like yeah. before i don't know about now um what's next for me oh, and, and the business I think we really want to focus on like community building mm-hmm. this year. Like that's our main focus. Mm. And, and making yeah, and m- making money. Yeah, hundred percent. And it's like and <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the most. Alone, yeah, make that's the most important thing because if we don't have the money, we there is no we community. No, yeah. Well, yeah, and we yeah. have no business. And like we want to show like um not show like spotlight other like mm. brands and organizations that are doing cool things and like have it sitting in one place for everyone to like come to as like a portal. And then we've got some like tech things that we're hoping to mm-hmm. like um, build into our company. So I feel like there's a lot. Yeah. We just yeah. How are you building community? I see you do the like I saw the well-being newsletter. I yeah, love that. yeah, 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 yeah. We've started like a newsletter. We've got like a voice note session, which is like a mini podcast that we do. Um, what else are we doing? Just yeah. Well, so we're building out the website to, as G said, oh, to yeah. be like a destination, right, where people can come and they can find if you want to find like creatives in certain spaces you can find that just to kind of be because the thing is as well is that a lot of like smaller kind of media publications are closing down they're not getting the funding and that kind of thing so we're like well as we're building our community why not kind of just shout out people so that Mm -hmm. hopefully you know and on our kind of email list that we send our newsletter out to we've got some really strong brands on there so you never know by you know shouting out a creator or shouting out um another business that could open up opportunities for Mm -hmm. them we're very happy to give contacts away mm-hmm. and that's one thing that's part of our community like we will there was one big brand that kind of sit in the black entertainment space and like a big um alcohol brand and we're just like oh yeah we'll introduce you guys like mm-hmm. you can get to know each other kind of thing and so we're happy to do that we don't get anything for it mm-hmm. but just to kind of be those cultural kind of connectors and make opportunities for people is super important and that's what that community is about mm-hmm. um kind of just giving giving some goodness into mm-hmm. the into yeah universe yeah love it and your annual party and our annual yeah. party yeah. on our the first of december yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. Where, yeah, start about yeah that. it's gonna fly by know, it's gonna come oh by my so God, i can't believe that was already like six months yeah ago. oh my god yeah. <laughs> and then for the final two questions so we end on two questions mm-hmm. every every podcast and they are when did you last feel lonely and what advice would you give to someone to help them feel more connected you're gonna have to do this, Anna. You can't be like, "Gee, you're going first <laughs> now." I, was thinking, I know. Yeah, it was, it, was my, it was coming. I know. I was like, "Hannah, you take this one now." What the last time I felt lonely? I think the last time I felt lonely was recently, as in two weeks ago to three weeks ago. OTA One Twelve Agency. We're, we've had a very rough patch recently, in the, to the extent where it's like, "Do we continue?" Is mm-hmm. how bad it's kind of been. Um, and it's because of things like we've had so many big brands be like, we want to work with you, get this close to like actually working with us and then pulling out at the last minute. And so it's really affected us. And we're just like, look, we're a small business. We're trying our best kind of thing. Like, why are you doing this to mm-hmm. us? Right. And so I think it's it's kind of got to a point a bit recently where nobody, if you're not, if you, if you're not in it, you don't understand it kind of thing. Yeah. So that's been very kind of isolating and lonely, kind of like trudging through, trudging through, always trying to create mm-hmm. opportunities, always trying to like be like, where are we going to go next with this thing? What can we do to kind of be innovative? It's constant. Mm-hmm. So I think that's quite lonely. And I think being an entrepreneur yeah. is lonely. Yeah, Like 100%. running your own business, you yeah. don't have that. I, you don't if have you anyone have, like, else really to turn to well. except for each other. Yeah. 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 You don't have a security of like to lean back on like, yeah. it's, 
making all the decisions yeah like you you said searching for all the opportunities that is like I had someone on the podcast and he said when he went freelance that was the time that he found the most lonely because he Mm. went from being in kind of like a cushion of a company that like looks after your salary that looks after your pension to suddenly being on your own yeah like it has its highs and lows yeah Mm -hmm. I think I think the highs just because of the kind of people I think I can speak for you as well Mm -hmm. that we are the the highs still outweigh the lows Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but th- when the lows are low, they're very, very low. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, I, I think I put a post on LinkedIn recently where it's like, I've never experienced more failure in my life yeah. than since setting up this agency. Mm-hmm. So I think, and that whole feeling of failure and, and of keep on trying to push through is what has been so lonely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. you can't succeed without failing several mm-hmm. hundred yes. times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Because even like the Gymshark guy, like he had three businesses before Gymshark that failed and now yeah. he's a billionaire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you have to remind yourself of these little things. Yeah. Like, and so we don't want to yeah, I don't, we not, don't, we definitely not. don't. <laughs> millionaire, <laughs> yes. Billionaire, no. That's why I think so many people want to start their own business, but they don't because you have to be so brave and yeah. you have to like ride out the failures yeah. and not, and not just let them. Because I think anyone who's succeeded in anything has failed way yeah. more times yeah, yeah, yeah. than that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I've had two failed businesses so far, so I'm hoping that this will be the <laughs> third time. Yeah. <laughs> third time <lucky>. yeah. <laughs> yeah, so has, like, Elon Musk and yeah, yeah, Simon yeah, Cowell yeah. and, like, yeah. and Francis. And the KFC guy, my friend was telling me. Uh, yeah. She was like, that's why he looks so old in the logo, because, like, he started really old. So, yeah, like, he was, like, 17. Yeah, so she was like, really? yeah, 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 so she was like, don't give up, like, you've got this. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> then that, that's stuck with me now. Yeah. I'm like, okay, that's why he looks so old. So, I like, every time now. <laughs> so what advice would you give to someone to help them feel more connected I think for me it's um, being open and honest so like mm-hmm. even if like you feel embarrassed or you feel vulnerable of course like not sharing everything like taking small steps but like if you're open and honest about something about how you've been feeling then it gives other people the opportunity to like feel like oh they did that I can do that so like recently I did a LinkedIn post about like mental health and like certain things that have happened to me like how it's affected me and I feel like it's nice because I only I only got help from my mental health because an employee at work gave a talk on hers and I spoke to her so if she hadn't done that I wouldn't have got help and like so I think it's nice giving that back to other people because they might think oh I didn't think someone like G would like suffer from like mental health stuff um so it's nice like them seeing me do it and then hopefully knowing that they can get help or they can talk to me about it or they can be brave and like open up and talk about it so I think yeah being open and honest and like vulnerable um like helps people be more connected I think yeah I think I think the same thing yeah I was actually gonna say the same thing I think it's difficult sometimes as well because the whole thing with loneliness is that a lot of the time like you don't know how to help yourself out of your loneliness. Yeah. If you did, of course you would. Nobody wants to be lonely, right? Mm-hmm. So, it's, it's, I think it's quite difficult because loneliness is like a, a real thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes loneliness is external factors that you can't change. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. a lot of my loneliness has come down to the fact I'm a black woman. I can't mm-hmm. change that and yeah. I can't change society yeah. kind of thing. But I do think it is similar to what you say. So, like, it, it is hard, but maybe be vulnerable to find your tribe. Find the people who actually see you for who you are who who value you for who you are um and that you can be open and honest with yeah that you can you can kind of bring your whole selves to because i think a lot of the time 
people, no matter kind of their, their background or whatever, they're not, there's environments like work where they can't bring their whole selves. Yeah. And if that's the case, at least have somewhere where you can be your whole yeah. self. Yeah. You know, around your kind of tribe. Yeah. Um, just try and find those people. Mm-hmm. It's hard, but mm-hmm. yeah, be vulnerable, I think. And, and ask for help when yeah. you yeah, need ask it. For yeah, help. yeah, yeah, ask for help. Yeah, because I feel like a lot of the time people think asking for help, it won't actually help them, but even like a conversation and they've just let out how they feel would help so much and you feel lighter, mm-hmm. even though the other person hasn't necessarily done anything, mm-hmm. you just feel better. Yeah. So I think, yeah, talking about it, mm. it's not easy, but I feel like doing it in small steps, like you might not want to say everything, but even just saying like, oh, I'm not feeling so good at the moment, like is a massive step maybe for someone. Definitely. Oh, thank you so, so oh, much. Thanks for, thanks, thanks for having us. Such a good conversation. Yeah, it's been really nice. <laughs> thank you. <laughs>